Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, I'm pleased to welcome two guests here on the Sourcing Hero podcast. One is a new guest, and one is a returning friend that I think many listeners will recognize. Our new guest is Tarek Alaruri. He is the co-founder and COO of Fair Market, a sourcing platform that leverages automation to bring tailspend under management. And Tarek is joined by Greg Tennyson, who is currently the SVP of Strategy and Procurement, also at Fair Market. So Greg and Tarek, thank you both so much for being here with me today. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Kelly. So Tarek, for folks that haven't met you, um, can you provide a little bit more detail about your background experience bringing, up, bringing us up to this point? Yeah, of course. Uh, I grew up in Michigan, probably the best state in the country. Uh, and I went to the University of Indiana where I wrestled and I was a chemistry major. Uh, I got into sales for a third-party logistics firm called TQL, opened an office there in Atlanta, was one of their top sales reps, and you know realized just the complexities of supply chain when I'd fax paperwork to and from you know shippers trying to track down ships at sea and, and handle you know domestic truckers, uh, and, and realized you know technology has a huge part to play in this space moving forward. Uh, so I went to work for a company called Turbonomic. It was an application uh, platform that works in data centers in the cloud. I met my co-founder, Kevin Frechette. Uh We noticed that no two companies pay the same price. And when we actually dug in, it was you know, less of, hey, am I getting a good price? But more of, uh, we don't have bandwidth to get the price. And so we built a platform uh, to, to help handle that. So I would just like to acknowledge, first of all, I heard you when you said Michigan was the best state in the country. Those are fighting words, but we will we will hold that debate for another conversation. Um, Greg, you've been on with me previously, but you've had some professional updates since then. So bring us all up to date since the last time we spoke. Sure. Um, I had been advising fair markets since 2017 when Tarek and Kevin reached out to me at a conference and for the last four years have been watching how they've been growing, uh, developing the product and winning customer. Some uh, very notable customers at that. So I joined. I joined in August of 2021 as their SVP of strategy and procurement. Um, I play a myriad of roles, but uh, having some fun at fair market right now. Which is great. And so it's nice that we've kind of spoken with you or will have spoken with you on on sort of both sides of this world of procurement where we've got providers and, and practitioners. I think that actually adds a lot of value to the conversation that we'll be able to have today. Um, and Tarek, what I'm really interested to hear from you first, I know earlier this year, we finally started having some industry events where GASP people have returned to conferences in person like walking with their feet into hotels and conference centers. Um, and I'm curious, what has it 
been like going back to face-to-face networking and conferences? Sorry, it's been great. Uh, you know, I've enjoyed seeing customers' prospects. Um, you know, I was traveling a little bit during the pandemic, especially internationally, just depending on the country or the state and how the, how you know customers or people feel. Um, some conferences are an absolute smash, as in they have you know more people than I've ever seen. So, like procurement leaders, uh, and then some other conferences who I won't name names have been uh, quite a dud <laughs> with you know, maybe only like fifteen to twenty people. Okay, um, I think there's an overall sense of urgency, but also a little bit of a um, kind of what do I do now type of moment going on in the industry, which is really interesting to hear from people uh, because I think everybody's really seeking for more depth than you get at a typical conference. So there's a lot of activity going on outside of just the sessions where, you know, you hear the same buzzwords all the time, which is, you know, engage stakeholders, uh, create a category management strategy, et cetera, et cetera. It's like conference bingo. Exactly. Oh yeah. You forgot uh, strength and supplier relationships. That's always a good square on your conference bingo card. Um, yeah, and- let's not tell anybody how to do it. <laughs> Depends on how good the prizes are, Tark. Uh, so I like the fact that you talk about this sense of urgency and the wondering what I do now. Um, I've always been someone that while you might choose to go to an event based on the speaker names or the brands that will be there, maybe even session titles, the most interesting stuff always happens in line for coffee, in line for lunch. Um, are those the kinds of conversations in terms of what do I do now that the attendees are having with each other? Or are those the kinds of questions that you've heard being posed to session speakers? I think it's both, but mostly outside. Um, I would say I think supply chain in, in general right now is a very interesting area. Uh, so, you know, you look at retail in the United States, especially like Target and Walmart, and you have an extremely high level of inventory. You know, you look at oil and gas and they're trying to keep up with production and even figure out how to increase production upstream and downstream. Uh, and then you have companies that are very margin focused, you know, specifically like chemicals or production. Uh, and they're having to manage, you know, multinational areas of concern, mm-hmm. you know, gas production in Germany and France. Like, how is that going to play into their margin? How are they going to be able to survive? And so I, I think people are trying to get to specific people or specific questions that are more verticalized in, in what their business does uh, and trying to, you know, kind of find out or learn tips of the trade that are, you know, outside of just those keynote presentations, so to speak. Yeah, and, and goodness knows there's enough that we're all trying to deal with right now. In fact, Greg, we were chatting before we we officially started to record about the fact that here on July 13th, as we're all sitting down, the new year-over-year inflation numbers were released, and we're officially at a 9.1% inflation rate. Uh, so to channel what Tarek was just talking about in terms of sense of urgency, I feel like I need to ask you, what do we do now? Yeah, it's the highest inflation rate in 41 years. It's incredible. Uh, it is incredible. And honestly, a lot of us, myself included, I've never experienced that inflation rate. I look back to some of the gas shortages back in the 70s and how gas was uh, going up very quickly. Uh, but I was mowing lawns back then. I w- didn't wasn't employed <laughs> by corporate America. Um, but... The inflationary numbers, I would also say supply chain resiliency. 
And what I mean by that, that leaders are combating inflation, but they're also in some cases, as Tariq pointed out, dealing with product availability. So they can't secure inventory, can't secure product uh, to feed their engine, their uh, uh, manufacturing operations. So we're challenged. Uh, compound that with a great resignation. And yes, it's still occurring. The job numbers have dramatically improved. But So you have inflation, you have product availability, you have um, the great resignation, you have thought leadership walking out the door for a number of reasons. And I can't think of a more challenging time uh, that a number of leaders are facing right now. Now, what is it, and and this might be a skill, it might be a strategy, it might even be a tactic. I think we have a a tendency to sort of poo-poo and look down on on tactics sometimes. Uh, What would you say that procurement leaders, teams, professionals need to be preparing themselves to do in order to navigate these challenging times, not just very short-term um, but sort of medium to longer term, given all of these macro trends and, and external conditions that we're dealing with? So I can go first. I think it's specifically, it, the challenging thing is there's both an issue with supply and demand that I don't think, to Greg's point, anyone's seen before. So you have some organizations, depending on what space you're in, with a very high, high level of supply. Or you have, you know, depending on if, say, for oil and gas, you might have the opposite, which is a very low level supply, but a very high level of demand. Uh, And that also might be regional focused. So what's happening, and I think this is, um, you know, I think this is a, you know, correlation of how good your team is. And almost to Greg's point is you have to have people that are thinking in a very regionally specific area of how do you handle these challenges and how are they suited to the challenges. Because the challenge in, say, you know, Germany is going to be very different than a challenge in, say, North America. Uh, and I think, you know, organizations are having to figure out how to adjust this, uh, as well as, you know, a large part of manufacturing and supply from China is on and off lines with their zero COVID policies. So you're, you're, you're seeing firsthand people having to adopt not only new, new ways of manufacturing, new ways of logistics and importing, uh, and then also, you know, some companies like IE Peloton that have way too many bikes yes. uh, and are dealing with a bullwhip effect. So it, it really is the essence of the team you have because only one leader can focus on so much. Uh, and so, you know, one thing that I've seen the smartest people do is really, you know, first look at the people they have in the seat. How do they up level the people? How do they bring in people to, you know, that have experience? with this, so i.e. I. more supply, more demand, et cetera, and then how do they adjust? Um, you know, and I, I think being able to then look at your processes that you have and think, hey, these processes were an old company that's been established 100 years ago. Do these processes fit us today? If not, how do I get engaged the C-suite to immediately change them? And then also, do I have the tools, i.e. software, Uh, like fair market that can help accommodate those challenges Uh, because, you know, just going and outsourcing something or using a consultant to help you with something isn't going to do the trick, especially if you need to make a very quick uh, pivot on a dime. That's at least what I'm seeing in the conversations that I'm overhearing. Well, and it's interesting, Tarek, that you bring up Peloton because literally yesterday they made the announcement that they're no longer going to manufacture their own bikes and treadmills. You know, they had initially, in response to everyone going home and, and gyms being closed, every single person had a, a Peloton or was at least on a waiting list for one. 
And so in order to thwart some of these supply chain disruptions, they said, okay, we're going to invest. We're going to do all of our own manufacturing and we're going to do it in the U.S. And both because of the inventory backlog that you mentioned and also because of maybe an uncertain demand future, they're now working with a third-party manufacturer to do all of that work. And I'll admit, the news is very new, so there hasn't been a ton of coverage. The first thought that went through my mind when I read that story was, I wonder if it will be procurement that manages that relationship or will it be someone else in the company because it is so unbelievably important to simply them being able to operate? Um, Tark, you had kind of mentioned them, so I'll... <clears throat> I don't know if you have any thoughts or, or a guess or what that type of strategy change might mean for them, um, because I'm, I'm sure other companies have gone on a, a similar bumpy journey. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing it, a parallel would be you're seeing it in the semiconductor industry, yes. just in reverse. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's an interesting time, I think, because it really separates people who are more proactive with their careers and proactive with keep getting a seat at the table. Uh, versus, you know, procurement professionals who just take orders. And so to your point, I think it really depends on the individual that's at the seat. So either they can manage that relationship and be proactive in that, or they can, you know, find their way just managing contracts and uh, looking over legal agreements and kind of walking their way out of the door. Mm. Uh, and so I, I, it's an interesting thing uh, of the role that procurement especially is playing coming into it. Because what we're seeing is with our best in class customers, so take BP, for example, you know, they're becoming a global energy company and, you know, their origin is British Dutch uh, back in Azerbaijan hundreds of years ago, predating World War One. Uh, you know, they're now seeing a different future where they have to figure out how to accommodate their customers and their customers want cleaner sources of energy, be it natural gas, hydrogen projects, wind, et cetera. And so their procurement team is having to be strategic with less people. And what does that mean? That means integrating new methods of production, integrating them into their older supply chain systems, looking at updating their current supply chain systems. And so when you see customers on the forefront of being you know, a leader for the industry and being able to take workload off of other teams, that's really what not only gets you at the seat at the table, but moves supply chain front and center. And, you know, an old parallel to that, in my opinion, would be Apple. Uh, you know, you see Tim Cook is, is the CEO. Yeah. And that's because, you know, Tim Cook took the vertical manufacturing where, you know, you know, they would outsource specific components and then eventually they're making the chips. Uh, and, you know, the, the improved production of like an M2 chip for a MacBook is just such a massive gain for them. Uh, and you can see how by having their supply chain front and center and being an innovator in the space, and figuring out how to, you know, cut costs, but also increase the performance of their business and their products has really, I say, catapulted Tim's career and other mm -hmm. people on their teams. Uh, and so I think it really depends on the individual at the company. And But the individuals who are really going out and making it happen are having so much success right now, at least what we're seeing. Now, Tarek, let me ask you this question. And then, Greg, I'll actually come to you with the, the same question to get your point of view. This morning, we've talked about inflation, we've talked about Peloton, we've talked about you know global supply chain challenges. Now, to me, that's exciting. I've always been sort of a newsy person. Um, but if, if anyone in procurement preferred sort of the heads down, safe, insular, internal way of 
working. That is probably not where we're headed. Um, How do you stay educated? Is it reading newspapers? Is it trade journals? Do you have a a tight network of people that you talk to to stay? I mean, we can't all read everything, right? How do you inform yourself so that you can either advise companies about the strategies they should employ or so that you can share opinions and and provide insight on topics like the ones that we've, we've talked about today? Tark, let me start with you on that. So I listen to a lot of, I, I split it out. So I listen to podcasts. Uh, I try to read news. Um, I set up a lot of Google alerts and, you know, that's everything at a macro level and then even down on specific verticals or specific customers that we work with. Uh, and so I try to always stay attuned to a lot of our customers' businesses, uh, you know, whether it's Walgreens, AT&T, you name it. Uh, and so I'm always trying to stay close to how they're operating and how they're trying to seek improvements. Uh, and you know, I'm also, you know, trying to be educated on the trends that our customers are seeing from a vertical aspect so that, you know, I can be a resource, also offer an opinion and, uh, you know, try to help a customer if we can with our solution. Same question to you, Greg, how do you prepare yourself from an information standpoint to provide the support you need to provide and to have the conversations that I'm positive you're having on a regular basis? Yeah, the concern is information overload. So to Tart's <laughs> point, how you consume information needs to be best suited to how you learn. You know, you're a tactile learner, you know, visual, et cetera. Um, I read. I read quite a bit. Um, I also network. Uh, I talk to the analysts. Um, I also podcast, listen to several podcasts, um, and then... Believe it or not, I attend conferences. Uh, the hallway conversations at a conference are the the best source of information. Uh, talking to uh, your peers, understanding what their challenges are and how they're confronting. So as we start to wind down our time, Tarek, I want to have the opportunity to present you with, well, it's actually a choice of questions. And this is something that every guest that joins me on The Sourcing Hero has an opportunity to share their perspective on. Uh, So you have a a choice. Either how would you personally define the idea of a sourcing hero, or if you'd like to comment on something a little bit broader, what would you say heroism looks like in a business context? Those are both great questions. Um, So maybe I can try to incorporate both. Like heroism, what does it look like? I think it's always being very proactive in what you're doing bringing new solutions to the table, not always just going with groupthink. And I think that almost, you know, is what a sourcing hero is. Uh, Just because something has been done the last few years at, at, you know, your enterprise doesn't mean it has to continue to be done that way. Uh, And so, you know, it's very invigorating for me as a founder of a business to work with those people. Uh, And I'm sure it's invigorating for them to work with hopefully people like myself and Greg. and the fun part is, is, you know, as much of craziness is going on in the world, it's getting better every single day. Uh, you know, we're going from globalism to a, maybe a little bit less than that, but the world's still getting better. You know, healthcare is great. Everything, everything is getting better than where it was 50 to 100 years ago. And, you know, the way we operate as a business, the way we manage people, uh, the way we incorporate, you know, 
diversity of thought, diversity of cultures into our businesses is just getting better and better. And, you know, I, I see people that encompass that uh, sourcing heroism, not only in the work that they do, but the work outside. And for me, it, it's a really positive thing that excites me every day when I go to work. And that's so great to hear, right? Because so many times, and we've talked a lot about the news, it's easy to focus on headlines, which have a tendency to be, if not negative, then at least alarmist, because that's what well, it sells. sells the news. It, exactly. exactly. It sells. Like, nobody wants to click and hear positive things that are going on. Like I live in New York. They, you know, it, it's, it's, nobody ever celebrates the small local business who's been employed for 40 years and they just no. have record-breaking revenue. You know, the news wants to forecast the, the one 40 year old business who's going out of business. Right. <laughs> and, and it's just, you know, I think if you look at it almost as the opposite, like opposites day on everything, it's really positive. Absolutely. Now, Tark, for people that have listened in today who don't know you or are perhaps not connected to you, what is the best way for them to reach out or to get in touch? Yeah. So last time I gave my cell phone number out uh, and that was mixed with mixed reviews, but if people <laughs> do, uh, it's 734-272-8623. You can always call or text me. Uh, but if not, I'm on Twitter, uh, Tarek Alwari. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, my email's Tarek at Fair Market. I, uh, I like to be a pretty approachable person. So uh, don't hesitate to ping me with any questions, thoughts, or anything. If you didn't like what I say too, open for, open for constructive criticism. Although I would like to offer up as the official host of this podcast, that if I hear anybody was impolite to Tarek, you're all in a lot of trouble. So if you do decide to call or text him, please be nice. Please be constructive. He's offering up his cell phone number, which no one has ever done on the Sourcing Hero before. So let's let's reward that openness with, with positive, constructive dialogue. Um, Greg, how about you? You've changed seats since we spoke last. What is the best way for people to get in touch? Well, since Tariq set the standard, 916-462-7172 is my mobile. Uh, Greg Tennyson at fairmarket.com and Tennyson like Alfred Lord Tennyson, the poet. Excellent. Well, guys, thank you for your courage in putting those numbers out there. You'll have to let me know if you get anything interesting back. Um, Last time it worked. Just saying. Last time uh, somebody reached out to me and, uh, you know, we're, we're engaged with them possibly buying our platform. So never say never. Absolutely. Never say never. Nice to end on a positive note. Tarek and Greg, thank you both so much for being here with me on the Sourcing Hero podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for The Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.